Welcome to Pure Heart Church Podcast, Becoming Like Jesus. You're about to hear another inspirational message, and our prayer is that you are encouraged and one step closer to becoming like Jesus for the sake of others. Well, welcome to week five of our series, Evidence. Thank you so much for joining us around our state of Arizona, around our country, around the world. Thank you to all my family and friends that are tuning in as well. Thank you for being a part of today's online campus. So we've been in this series and we've been asking this question, very important question, do people see Jesus through me? Is there evidence of Jesus' character, evidence of Jesus' love, joy, peace, flowing through my life to the people around us? So I want you to know that what we're gonna talk about today is a little difficult. I've been all week long dealing with this sermon before I got to preach this sermon. So I've been really tested in this area. So Apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter five, verse 22, he says this, we've been in this verse now for five weeks, but the Holy Spirit produces, who does this? The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit this kind of character in our lives. And we talked about love, which the world needs more love. We talked about joy. Don't we all need more joy? We talked about peace. My goodness, do we need more peace. Today, we're gonna talk about probably my favorite one of all. We're gonna talk about patience. And oh my goodness, how I've got to live that out this week. I think next week I'm gonna talk about what do you do when life is perfect? You know, that's gonna be the topic next week. So, but patience is powerful evidence of God's presence in our lives. It's powerful evidence that Jesus is who we follow. If in this world today, we are struggling with patience and we often see patience as simply this, waiting. When we think of patience, we hear patience, we think waiting, waiting in line, waiting in traffic, waiting in Walmart, you know, waiting for our kids to get dressed, waiting for our kids to go, waiting for your spouse to get ready to go out. We think about waiting and this is hard because we don't like to wait. We want it now. We don't, wanna, we don't want to wait for it, wait for it. No, we don't want to wait for it. Have you ever had a friend show you a video and you're like, hey, wait for it, wait for it. It's going to be really good. No, no, no. Wait for it, wait for it. You're thinking, I'm done watching this video already. I don't want to wait for it. I want it to happen right now. Cue it up to when the thing happens that you want me to see. Now listen to what the Apostle Paul says about patience in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. He says this, so let's not get tired Another translation says weary. Let's not get tired of doing good. Let's be patient. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if, everybody say if, if we don't give up, if we are patient. Now this term, the right time, another translation says in due season. I say this every time I come across this passage or teach on this passage. Don't we wish the Holy Spirit through Paul would have said in three days, in two weeks, could you give us a time frame? I mean, we've been living with this for a while, right? It was three weeks to flatten the curve. Now we're at 19 months and it's getting on my nerves. Can I get a yes from anybody in our online campus today? I had a good friend of mine tell me a year ago, she said, if I just knew how long this was going to take, I mean, can we just say thank God she didn't know it would be this long? Because she really would have melted down in that moment. We're sitting at our kitchen table and she says, if I just knew how long this would take, I could deal with it better. Now, understand this. I don't think that patience is just about waiting for something. I don't think patience is just waiting for something to happen, waiting to get through something. Now, waiting is part of it, but a better translation for this word in the Greek language, original language of the New Testament, is simply this, long-suffering. I know, aren't you glad you tuned in to church today on the online campus? You're thinking, no, 
I think I'd rather just focus on patience. You mean a better translation of this word is long-suffering? But understand what long-suffering really means. Long-suffering is the work of the Holy Spirit in us right now, enabling us to deal with trials, to deal with pain, to deal with rejection in a way that will transform us, starting from the inside out. A great work that God can do in us. That's this idea of long-suffering, the power of the Holy Spirit to transform us right now in this life, in this moment, an internal work. And it also has to do with helping us to trust God for the transformation of those who've wronged us. Anybody been hurt by somebody? Maybe rejected by somebody? It's waiting on God to do what only He can do and trusting Him to transform their life as well. Not just our own transformation, but their transformation right now in this life. Listen to what Paul says about God's attitude towards us. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. When I went back and looked at this this week, when the Holy Spirit put this scripture on my mind, I was like, this is so good. I can't wait to talk about it. Paul says this. The Holy Spirit through Paul tells us, don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Isn't that a fantastic statement? Paul's like, listen, doesn't God's patient love for you doesn't it mean anything to you? Isn't, doesn't that um, inspire you? Doesn't that encourage you? Doesn't that transform you to think about how patient God has been with you? In week one, we said that all of the fruit of the Spirit flows out of love. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, when the Apostle Paul talks about love, it's the love chapter, one of the most famous chapters on love in the Bible, in the New Testament. Paul says his very first description, his very first description of love is simply this, love is patient. Say it with me. Love is patient. That means that impatience is actually a lack of love. So here's a big question for us, everybody. Listen, here's a huge question. Aren't you glad that God was patient with you? Aren't you glad that God has been patiently loving you, patiently loving me? I mean, I'm going to just be honest about my own life. If I was God, I would have wiped me out in 1987 mullet and all, I would have wiped me out. I was a rebellious, arrogant young man. When I look at my life and the way I acted, the way I treated my parents, if I was God in that moment, I'd have been like, you know what? He's lived long enough, angels. Gabriel, bring him on home to me, okay? We'll just complete his transformation right here in heaven. I'm so glad that God was patient with me. I'm so glad he didn't give up on me. I'm so glad that he loved me even when I was not easy to love. Aren't you? See, we get so quickly annoyed with each other these days. I mean, you look around our world, we're not very patient with each other. I, and for a lot of us as Jesus followers, we're not very patient with our culture. Isn't it interesting? We want people to act like Jesus and they don't even know Jesus. They're not even walking with Jesus and we expect our world to act like Jesus. Let's just be honest, you guys. We as Jesus followers, those of you listening today who follow Jesus, we don't always act like Jesus and we know him. Look at what's going on on airplanes. I, I saw this article, I, I read this article the other day that on airplanes, there are three, there's been just this last, I think it was Tuesday when I did the last research, my last research on this, Tuesday of this last week, 3,420 passenger angry, passenger anger incidents. Just people losing their minds. It's up 300% incidents on airplanes, up 300% of people just melting down. No love, no joy, no peace, no patience. 
300% increase. Here, let me just show you a little montage of what's going on up there in the friendly skies. I don't care! Put me in a sniper vest! You know who my brothers are? They're green snipers! Who's got a problem with me? I'll walk off this and you push me one more time, I'll push your face I'll smash your face in You know, we watch that and we think, man, our world is losing its mind. But let's just be a little extra real about this. The, the truth of the matter is, our world has been traumatized. Every single person on planet Earth with COVID-19, with lockdowns and loved ones dying and all the uncertainty, we have all experienced trauma. And we as a church are a trauma-informed church. We care deeply about the wounds that people go through in this life. That's why we don't ask people, what's wrong with you? We ask people, what happened to you? What, what is your story? We care deeply about what's going on inside because it's the brokenness on the inside that shows itself on the outside. And so people in this world have been triggered. Anxiety, fear at whole new levels. We've been triggered. So just, just follow this example with me for a second. If you could just put your hand up like this, wherever you are around the world, just put your hand up like this right now. If you're driving, please don't do this. Just listen to the illustration, okay? So this is what, this, this just hand represents our brain. The thumb represents our amygdala. The amygdala controls our emotions, where all our emotions are at. Happy, sad, all our emotions. So tuck your thumb right now into the palm of your hand. These four fingers represent the cortex of your brain. The cortex of your brain wraps around your amygdala and governs your emotions. When our brain is like this, life is good. We're making very good decisions. We're respectful and kind to one another. But things happen in this life and all of a sudden, boom, we get triggered. When we get triggered, now all we're living with is our emotions. This is what's happening to us as a world right now. This is why we're freaking out in airplanes. We're letting our lives be governed by our emotions. We're not, we're not regulated, as psychologists and psychiatrists will tell us. We are struggling because we've all experienced exorbitant amounts of pain, anxiety, fear, uncertainty. Did you know that the process for a, uh, a mental breakdown works like this? The process for a mental breakdown works like this. Consistent pressure over time. Does that sound familiar? That's exactly what we're facing right now. Consistent pressure over time. No wonder we're having mental breakdowns in our world these days. Um, I want to share this illustration with you. We spent a lot of money on this. I went out into the yard here at the church and got this rock for you. Actually, one of my friends got the rock for me. Isn't that nice? I want you to imagine for a second, this rock probably weighs about five pounds, four or four or five pounds. And if I would hold this rock like this for one minute, no problem, mostly because I have incredible biceps, all right? So I can hold this for about one minute, okay? Now, if I tried to hold this rock for one hour like this, my arm's gonna start to go numb. It's gonna start to tingle. There's gonna be pain in my shoulder area, in my elbow area, in my joints. It's gonna start to be an issue. If I tried to hold this rock like this for an entire day, my arm could start to go paralyzed. After a couple of days, there would be nerve damage. Matter of fact, I don't think I could hold this rock. I'm having trouble right now at this point. Hold this rock for an entire day. We have been holding the weight of anxiety, uncertainty, and fear for 19 months. We have to find a way to put down the rock. 
It's hurting us. It's, it's damaging us. It's, it's causing us to have such a lack of patience and love and joy and peace and just mutual respect for one another these, these days. There's actually a syndrome. I saw this in Forbes magazine, and I think the Washington Post also did, ran another article on this as I was thumbing through my feed. It's called Pandemic Flux Syndrome. You see, back in June of this year, there was Gallup, poll, uh, Gallup polling did a huge poll of Americans, and optimism was at a 13-year high. That was in the beginning of June of this year. What was happening in the beginning of June this year? Man, cases of COVID were going down, businesses were opening up, even California. Come on, those of you watching in California. Even California was starting to open up. My wife and I were actually traveling and our kids in California, and we got there just as the mask mat and band date was lifted, and it was like, birds came out, you know, the birds were singing, the skies were blue, everything was wonderful. And then what happened? We start to get to late June, into July, Delta. Things get crazy. All of a sudden, numbers start to spike. The Bible says it this way, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And then there's arguing over vaccines and there's arguing over mass mandates and arguing over what are we gonna do with school, with our kids. And we just have got into our little tribes and we're fighting with one another and patience has gone out the window. That's why allowing the Holy Spirit to produce patience in us is one of the greatest evidences, especially right now, of Jesus living through our lives. It's a powerful evidence that God is transforming us from the inside out, when we can be patient, when the whole world is freaking out. Did you know that the universal definition for healing of trauma is simply this? It's not complicated. All, almost all experts agree on this. The universal definition for the healing of trauma is simply this, it's not complicated. Consistent love over time. We, we, we know what consistent stress over time will do to us. It's consistent love over time. I know in my life, the things that I've done to myself, the things that others have done to me, my own rebellion, some of the trauma of my life from my own rebellion, especially when I was a teenager, the things that I did, the mistakes that I made, the regrets that I have. I think of things that have been done to me uh, many years ago now, over 24 years ago. I went through a divorce, a painful divorce. My first wife, as if there's any other kind but painful divorce, my first wife left me for another man. Um, this man was 42 years of age and she was in her mid-20s. She was looking for her father. It was a broken relationship and there was a lot of pain in her life. Now as an older man looking back, I can see why she made some of the decisions she made, but that was traumatizing to me as a 26-year-old man. It, it impacted me in multiple ways. It impacted my ability, my self-esteem. It impacted on, on my, even, even, I'm just gonna be real, if you're new to Pure Heart, and we, we talk very openly, very real, it impacted me sexually. I thought, am I not able to, to um, perform at a level that would cause her to be faithful? It impacted me as a man in so many ways. And then in my life, here come these consistent, overtime sources of love. My parents consistently loved me. Man, they had to make some tough, made some tough calls in my life when I was younger. They had to make some tough calls in the midst of my rebellion, but my parents never gave up on me. They never stopped caring for me. They never stopped loving me. Yeah, they made tough calls. They, they had to ask me to move out when I was 18 years of age. They kicked me out at 18 years of age. That was hard for them, but they made a tough call to say, you know what, we're gonna love our son enough to have him go face some of the consequences of his life. But you know, even when they kicked me out, they never stopped praying, they never stopped calling, they never stopped loving me. They were consistent love over time. My wife, Nicole, other than Jesus, the greatest gift that's ever been put into my life
I, when we got married, I had, I had not healed from all of my brokenness. I carried some stuff into our marriage from my divorce. I carried insecurities into our marriage. I carried sexual insecurities into our marriage. And my wife, Nicole, never gave up on me. And she loved me unconditionally. Even when I was struggling as a father, even when I was struggling to engage with the family, we went through a season as a church many years ago now where we went through a, a huge blow up as a church family. And I was asked to step into the senior leadership position. And I was so focused on not failing as a leader that I was failing at home with our kids. And my wife was a consistent, consistent source of love for our kids. And she was a consistent source of love for me. It was hard on her. There were times, I remember when she told me several years ago, she said, Dan, I went through that season and she says, I felt like a single mom. And the hardest part was I was married. It's hard to be a married single mom. I felt like the church was a mistress in a lot of ways. I felt like the, you cared about the church more than you cared about me and you cared about the kids. But Nicole never gave up on me. She didn't walk out on me. And I am where I am today because of the Holy Spirit through my wife, the Holy Spirit through my parents and many other people in my life. Consistent love over time. That's where we find the healing. You know what that's called? Love is patient. It's a patient kind of love. Now, let's go back for a moment to Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Listen to what Paul says. This is so life-changing. He says, can't you see? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? And what Paul's simply saying to us through the Holy Spirit is simply this. Can't you see that God's patient love his patient kindness is transforming you. It's changing you from the inside out. Don't you see this? Now, patience isn't about just waiting for something in the future. Here's what I believe patience is. And if you kind of checked out for a moment or maybe me sharing my story triggered some stuff in your life and you've been kind of thinking about your own pain, come back to me for a second. Focus in for a second. I want you to understand. It's not, patience isn't just about waiting for something to happen in the future. No, I see patience this way. Patience is producing presently. Say that with me. Patience is producing presently. That patience right now in your life is producing something inside of you right now that's going to transform you from the inside out. You're getting stronger because you're walking through this with God's grace. Patience is producing presently. Don't forget that. I'm going to come back to that in just a little bit, but let me show you where I get this idea from. James chapter 1 and verse 2. James is one of my favorite books in the New Testament. James was a half-brother of Jesus. And this is what James writes to his friends. He says this, and he's writing this to a persecuted church. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way. I love it. It's not, hey, if you have a problem, he's like, no, you can count on it. When troubles come, we're going to have struggles in this life. Understand that when life hits you in the face, he goes on, verse two, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Do it, you have to be thinking, what are you talking about, James? Consider it an opportunity for great joy? Are you crazy? Okay, I can consider it an opportunity to suffer. I can consider it an opportunity to, you know, have to forgive somebody and exercise forgiveness. He goes, no, 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 not, not forgiveness, not suffering. Consider it an opportunity for great joy in your life. Joy for what? Come on, James, what's the joy all about? And he tells us, and James is like, so glad you asked. This is what he would say to us. For you know, James is like, you know this way down deep inside, that when your faith is tested, another translation says, when you go through trials of various kinds, because there's all kinds of shapes and sizes when it comes to trials, can I get a yes? 
When your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. See, the bigger idea of patience is just not waiting for something in the future, but growing through something right now. That's the big idea I want you to catch today. That God wants us to grow through something right now, not just waiting on something in the future, something to, for my circumstances to change, for the victory to happen, for the breakthrough to take place. James is like, no, there's a joy you can have right now today knowing that God is up to something in our lives as we walk through this pain. That we can grow through something, not just wait for something to change in the future. Because God's like, no, I'm changing you right now. Now, please don't miss this very important next word. Verse 4 continues. So let, say it with me, let. Say it again. Let. So let it grow. If you go back to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, I've talked about this verse over and over and over in this series already. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 5, 16. He says, so I say, let, there's our word again, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. I looked up this word. In the dictionary, I looked up the word let. Here's the definition of let. It's so good. It means this, allow to pass in a particular direction. So let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Meaning this, let the Holy Spirit allow him to take you where he wants you to go, not necessarily where we want to go. Let him take you on a growth journey, James would say. So allow to pass in a particular direction. Let this suffering, this trial, this thing that you're going through, let it produce something in you that couldn't be produced in any other path of life. God's going to use it. He's going to use this path of pain to do something in me that couldn't happen any other way. So we got to stop trying to go around it, to numb out through it, to avoid the struggle, the trial, the circumstances. Here's another thing as a parent. Man, I'm so convicted on this recently. We've got to let our kids struggle a little bit. We got to stop trying to solve all their problems. I am the worst offender. I always want to be Disneyland dad. I'd come home, Nicole would be like, you got to set some boundaries. You got to help me discipline the kids. I'm like, I want to have fun with the kids. I don't want them to see me as the bad dad. That's not loving, that's selfish. It's not patient either. It's actually impatient. Because I don't want to deal with the blow up if I have to discipline. I didn't want to deal with the headaches of having to set boundaries and them being grumpy at the dinner table. I wasn't willing to love them patiently so they could develop stronger. Now praise God, Nicole did. And she covered over a multitude of my issues when I was younger. And I really engaged with the kids as they got older. I, I am a much better father than I used to be because I had consistent love in my life. My wife hopefully would tell you I was worth waiting on. All right? <laughs> we got to let our kids struggle a little bit. We, we, don't, we can't solve all their problems. We can't complete their projects because it's not getting done fast enough and we want to get to bed. You got to let them work through that project so they can actually learn. I remember Nicole and I were going to counseling years ago and the counselor was walking us through, he was more of a life coach than the counselor, but he was walking us through like these, it was like seven different sessions going through all kinds of stuff in our life. And as he was walking through this, he said to us at the end of one of our sessions, he goes, I think we've been to like three or four sessions. And he goes, next time we get together, I'm going to teach you how to stand next to your child while they suffer. I was like, we got in the car, we're driving home, and Nicole was really quiet, and I go, you okay? And she goes, yeah. 
I ain't going back next week. <laughs> she goes, that is, I did not sign up. Our marriage, things like that. I did not sign up for that journey, standing next to my kid while they suffer. She goes, that sounds horrible. I don't want to go to that session. But of all the sessions we went through, that was probably the best one for us. To challenge us as parents to love our kids enough to let them, to allow them to struggle a little bit on the path of life. See, when we... We make such a mess of life when we impatiently try to fix our problems outside of God's direction, when we try to fulfill our dreams outside of God's fulfillment, when we try to change our circumstances, when God says, hey, hey, this one I'm not removing, this one I'm going to move through with you. Whenever we try to do that, we make a bigger mess. One of my favorite illustrations, and if you've listened to me teach for the last few years at least, I probably used this a couple times because I love this illustration. It's the illustration of an emperor moth. So there's this young boy, he's out playing in the yard, and he comes across a cocoon. And he brings it into his bedroom, and he puts it on, his, on a little plate on his desk, and he turns on the lamp on his desk, some a little warmth on it, and he waits to see what is in the cocoon. And as he's waiting, he keeps coming back day after day. Nothing's really happening. One day he comes home from school. He sees a little hole at the top of the cocoon start to open. And all of a sudden, he's, as he watches for the next hour, a little, this, this, um, this butterfly or moth, or he didn't know what it was at the time, starts to make its way through this hole. And he's so excited. He kept going downstairs, getting something to eat, come back up, gets a drink of water, comes back up to his room. And all of a sudden, the, 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 this moth is getting farther and farther out through that hole. And then it just stops. It's like halfway out the hole and it just stops. And it stops for hours and hours. And it's like he's getting ready to go to bed. And he's like, what am I going to do? So he runs downstairs. He gets this scissors. He gets a pair of scissors. And he comes up and starts to cut the cocoon to free the moth from its struggle. And as he cuts a little halfway down, all of a sudden the moth just flops out on the plate with little stubby, half-developed wings, lays there, and within an hour, dies. And the boy's like what the world? I thought I was helping. He goes and gets his encyclopedia and he opens it up and he looks and sure enough what he discovered was that the moth has to struggle through that hole to force fluid into its wings so that its wings can be completely developed. The moth's wings will not be complete without the struggle, without the patience of waiting to push that fluid to develop the wings so that it can fly and be developed completely. And this is what James says next, and this is so good. He says, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Means at this point, you'll become mature. The fruit of your life will become better and better, stronger and stronger, more mature as we allow God to do what only God can do. Long suffering, a work of the Holy Spirit in us, producing transformation right now. Not something for the future only, something right now, today. And so, from the beginning of this series, we've been talking about being intentional about drinking from the Holy Spirit. And I, I've been using this illustration, I, I asked the question, it's, a simple, simple question with a profound, a profound answer, and that is, what is the number one job of a fruit tree? And we've been saying all along, the number one job of a fruit tree is not to produce fruit. That's in the DNA of the tree. The number one job of a fruit tree is to drink water. 
The tree's ability to absorb water, even when the tree is just a seed, that seed's ability to absorb water de will determine the growth and the health of that tree, which will ultimately determine the growth and the health of the fruit that is produced on that tree. And so I've been using this ping pong ball and water illustration. The vase represented um, our soul, and the ping pong balls represent all the things that go into our soul. And so you can even see this right now on the screens. I've been doing this for several weeks. I'd love for you to go back and watch if you didn't see the first couple weeks of the series. And so then what we said is if we pour the water into the vase, all of a sudden, if we do this on a consistent basis over time, drinking from the Holy Spirit, spending time in God's Word, spending time in worship, just being silent before the Lord and trusting Him, seeking Him, our quiet time with Him, doing that every day on a regular basis, the Holy Spirit's able to pour His fresh water into our soul and wash out all this garbage that's in there. Jesus said this in John chapter 7, verse 37, is anyone, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. And what, what Jesus was talking about there was when he was going to send the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit was gonna send streams of living water through our soul. And so when we intentionally take a drink from him, we intentionally spend time in his presence, he can do something. He can water our souls to produce the fruit that we've been longing for. I want you to watch in Isaiah how the prophet Isaiah says we can be intentional in drinking from the Lord, drinking from His presence. One of the most famous verses in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. If you've seen any Christian artwork that has scriptures on it, you have probably seen this verse over the years. This is what it says, but, and this is the New Living Translation. But those who trust, other translations say those who wait, those who hope, in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. Don't grow weary in doing good. Remember we read that earlier today. They will walk and they will not faint. The interesting word here, the word here for trust is also translated weight. This word means, in the, it's the word in the Hebrew language is kavah. It means to eagerly anticipate being used by God. Think about that. I'm waiting, but I'm also, also eagerly anticipating that God is going to use the strength He's giving me right now to do something in the future. What He's doing now is going to produce great fruit in the future. It's kind of the idea of the strands of a rope coming together. They're woven together more and more and more to make the rope stronger and stronger, waiting to be used. Yeah. Wait upon the Lord. Put your trust in Him. So here's the intentional action steps I got two of them for you this week that we're going to take this next week, every single day. Here's the first one. The first thing we're going to do is when opportunities for us to be stressed out come along, and we're going to have plenty of opportunities, I'm sure, when we get stressed out, when life gets a little bit crazy, when you go through a, start to go through a circumstance, and you're like, God, how am I going to do this? Even if it's stuff you've been dealing with for a long, long time, maybe some struggles at work, maybe some struggles in your family, maybe there's division in your family. A lot of families are going through that right now. When you start to get overwhelmed by that, you're going to simply say this, patience is producing presently. That's what we're going to say. Right now in this moment, what I'm going through? No, no, no. Patience is producing presently. We're going to say it over and over and over this week. I'm convinced that God's doing something in me right now in the midst of this circumstance. I'm not going to avoid it. I'm not going to run away from it. Patience is producing presently. I'm not waiting for God to one day get rid of this circumstance. I know that God is up to something right now. And I believe, because I've already started doing it, that perspective is going to help us. And here's the second thing we're going to do. 
And this one, I know some of you are going to be like, you don't understand how busy my life is. You're a pastor. I'm sure you get up and you just have all this flex time in your life. And you, you could sit around and just spend time with the Lord and worship all that you want. <laughs> you don't know my days, all right? Especially these days. We're going to do something. And I know for some of you, you're going to be like, I don't know if I have time for that. But I'm going to tell you what. You can't afford not to do this. We can't afford not to do this. When I don't do this, my soul suffers. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend, here it is, 30 minutes a day waiting in the Lord's presence. At some point during the day, you're going to block out 30 minutes to just read your Bible, pray, be quiet before the Lord, turn on some worship music. You're going to take 30 minutes and you're going to stop striving, stressing, trying to get things done. And here's what we're going to tell ourselves in, during that 30 minutes. God, I trust that you can do more in, this in these 30 minutes than I can do with these 30 minutes. God, I trust you. I'm going to wait on you. And as I wait on you, you're going to renew my strength. And I'm going to be able to soar again. Fluid's going to be pushed into the wings of my soul. I'm going to be strong again. I'm going to run and I'm not going to grow weary. I'm going to find strength right now because I'm going to take these 30 minutes and I'm going to wait on you to do what only you can do in me right now. Because patience is presently producing. That's what we're going to do this week. 30 minutes waiting on God to do what only God can do. And we're going to say, God, I trust you that in this 30 minutes, you can do more with this than I could do if I went out there and just tried to fix it myself today. Yes? Come on. You know what? If you have the opportunity right now, would you just bow your head with me? If you can't, if you're driving or you're not able to do that, please, please don't. But I want to, I want to, Take a moment before we go back into worship, and I want to give you an opportunity to make the most important decision of your life, to trust Jesus with your soul, with your present life, the struggles you're going through, and your eternity, your forever and ever somewhere life. Jesus loves you more than anyone else has ever loved you. He laid his life down on the cross for you. He put up with beatings. He put up with trials where he was accused falsely of things. He patiently loved you. You weren't even born yet. You weren't even conceived yet. And yet, back in the first century, Jesus paid a price for you and for me that no one has ever paid for us. He laid his life down that we might find hope, healing, freedom from sin, and eternal life in heaven with him. And so today, I want to ask you, if you're ready to make that decision for the first time to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want your leadership in my life. I'm going to trust you with my life because I've tried doing life my own way. Maybe for some of you today, it's the first time making that decision. Others, maybe it's a rededication of your life to Christ. It is the greatest decision you will ever make to say, Jesus, I need your hope. I need your love. I need your joy. I need your peace. I need your patience. I need you to produce something in me I can't produce on my own. So if that's you today, would you pray this with me right now? Just simply say this, Lord Jesus, right now in this moment, I commit my life to trusting you. I want you to fill the broken areas of my life, to put back together the pieces that have been shattered by this world. Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness. You know my rebellion, you know my sin, you know the things I know. I, I think about it all the time, it's always in my mind. I give that to you now. I not only give you a confession that it was wrong, I give you the shame that goes with it. And I thank you for your healing. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your love and your joy, your peace, your patience. Fill me with your strength. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.
And if you made that decision today, we really want to hear from you. We want to walk with you. We want to encourage you. Please let us know you made that decision today. So we're going to take a moment right now to give you an opportunity to just kind of spend some time before you click off this, this um, online campus message and move on to whatever else you have going on today. We're going to give you a moment to just kind of go back into worship, to sit in God's presence, and to let your soul be refreshed, and to let Him do something in these next five minutes that you can't do in your own strength. Let Him encourage your heart right now. Let's worship together. I love you, family. Thank you for being a part of this today. We'll see you next week.